Hey guys, I'm jumping in here before we get started to let you know that the doors are opening for Scale Your Sales for a very brief period of time this Friday through Monday. I am doing a quick little doors open for Mother's Day. Treat yourself, celebrate yourself and your business and the potential that you have this weekend with Scale Your Sales. I have had so many of you in emails and DMs and stuff ask me when the next time would be that you could get enrolled and you could get signed up. So I am opening it up really quick so that we can get everything done and squared away and optimized before the summertime. If you're interested in finding out more or joining us inside of that program, head to scaleyouretsysales.com and you can find all of the information there. There will be a waiting list on there until the doors actually open, but that is happening Friday. So if you sign up for the waiting list, then you will get the email notification as soon as it goes live and as soon as those doors open with all the information, everything you need to make that decision about whether or not it is the right next step for your business. I hope that you'll consider joining us inside of that program. The group is so amazing. The program is amazing. And I just love the community that's been built around it with these sellers who are really taking their business to the next level. So scaleyouretsysales.com, I will see you inside. Hey friends, you're listening to Crickets to Cha-Chings, a show where we talk about all aspects of running a handmade business and marketing that business for success while still keeping a balance to have flexibility for your family. I'm your host, Lauren Keplinger, and I am so excited to get started. Let's jump right in. Hey everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Crickets Cha Cha Chings. My name is Lauren, and today on the podcast, I have a topic that I'm really um, excited to talk about because I was recently inspired by another podcast that I was listening to. It was from John Lee Dumas. If you are familiar with him, he does the podcast called Entrepreneurs on Fire. Um, and he was talking about success and kind of what has led to the success of his own business. But it inspired me to write this episode because there were so many aspects of it, not to compare myself to John Lee Dumas because he has a wildly, wildly successful business, but there were so many aspects of what he was saying about what he was doing, especially in the earlier days of his business that I really related to. And I wanted to kind of take those lessons and um, give them to you in a way that's applicable to us as Etsy sellers and as handmade artisans um, and product-based businesses, which is extremely different than um, you know something like he teaches um, a course on podcasting and stuff. It's a very different market. So anyway, the um, theme of this episode is having success in your business by being willing to do things that other people are not willing to do. Now that may seem a little bit weird because you're like, well, I don't know, does that mean I'm doing like some, I don't know, weird thing that other people are not willing to do? No, <laughs> it really means putting in the work into your business that most other people are not going to be willing to do. They're not gonna be willing to work hard enough to do the same thing or they're not gonna have 
the discipline and the consistency and that day in, day out grind that it takes to build a successful business. I have always said, and I will continue to always say, that building a successful Etsy business is a simple thing, but it is not an easy thing. And there are so many people that come into Etsy or come into online marketing or online sales who get frustrated so, so quickly. Like I'm talking within a few days, within a few weeks of starting a business. And while it is extremely easy to set up an Etsy shop and the barriers to entry in getting started are very, very low and easy to cross, which is a good thing. And that's part of why I think it's really great to sell on Etsy because those barriers to entry are so low. You don't have to create your own website. You don't have to understand like the aesthetics of building a website that looks nice and blah, blah, blah. But I feel like that gives people a false sense of how easy it is to be successful. And so then they are really frustrated. You know, I've had people that have said to me like, I started my shop 10 days ago and I haven't had any sales and I'm thinking about closing down. And I'm like, wow, that's a fast little arc there from starting to being frustrated and closing down, um, it's kind of mind boggling to me, honestly, that the the lack of grit and the lack of determination in that. So I want to talk about some of the things that I was willing to do in the early days that I think really set myself apart as a monogrammed baby gift shop. If you're new around here um, or if you're new to the podcast, my shop is Funky Monkey Children on Etsy. I make monogrammed baby gifts, um, and at this point, it's monogrammed baby blankets and stuffed bunnies almost exclusively. So when I was first starting on Etsy, when I first started my Etsy shop, one of the things that I saw in a lot of the more successful shops at the time who had, you know, several thousand sales or whatever when I was just starting out was that there was a really long turnaround time until things shipped, a a long processing time. And I totally understand why. Um, I was making applique gifts at the time. So if you're not familiar with that terminology, appliques are like the designs that have fabric in the middle and stitching around the outside of it. And I was making applique bibs and burk claws and baby gowns and all kinds of stuff like that. Applique is very time consuming. Um, One burp cloth, by itself would take like 15 to 20 minutes and I would sell them in sets of three or four. So you're talking about kind of a a time consuming thing for, especially once you start getting multiple orders. You know, if I had three or four or five orders outstanding and each of them took an hour or more, that's a lot of work that builds up really quickly. Um, Not to mention if you have, you know, obviously way more orders outstanding than that. So, um, so what I was seeing in the industry was that there were a lot of people that had a three or four or six week turnaround time until things would ship. Now, a lot of these things are bought as gifts and a lot of times people are buying them as a baby shower gift or a new baby gift. So they're not thinking about a baby shower gift six weeks in advance. Not that you don't care about your friend that's having a baby, but it's simply not on your radar to think about somebody else's event that far in advance that you're buying a gift for. So one way that I made myself stand out as a new shop was to offer a very quick turnaround. 
And I also didn't charge a rush order um, at the time, which I have talked about adding that in later. And it's not, I wouldn't necessarily tell you that you shouldn't charge a rush order fee, but I didn't at the time. So I had, I think it, it was probably like a three or four day turnaround time. So people would come in, they would place an order and I would have it in the mail within three or four days. So that means that, um, you know, if they had a baby shower that was next week or whatever, they usually could get it in time. And if they were thinking any more in advance than that, then they certainly could get it in time. That was a huge way that I set myself apart because the, the other shops around me that had more experience, that had more reviews, they had more sales, they had all of that sort of um, proof of concept and the confidence from the buyer that their product was going to be great. I didn't have that history of sales and stuff. So this was one way that I really stood apart from other people. I also offered highly customizable products. I would take custom orders that would not be profitable for me the first time around. So I would take a custom order even if I thought like I'm not making any money on it this first time um, or it's going to take me so long to make this order this first time, but I know that I can resell that same design again. And so I'm taking this almost as like an example order or um, uh, instead of doing mock-ups, mock-ups weren't really a big thing at the time. So I would take the custom order and then from that, I would get the pictures and everything that I needed to continue to list it in my shop later. Um, that is an extremely time-consuming venture. Again, having things that are, are new designs, you're not used to them, you're not sure what colors you're gonna use, what patterns, you have to go back and forth and back and forth with the person in messages to make sure it's exactly what they want and it's exactly what they're expecting. It was very time consuming, but it was worth it to me because it allowed my customers to really give me the direction that they wanted me to go in, in terms of building the business and creating products that already had a built-in market. I mean, I was selling the first design, obviously. I just wasn't making a huge amount of profit margin, but it allowed me to grow the listings and the kinds of things that I had and the different designs that I had in my shop by following what the customers were asking for. I also didn't charge anything extra for custom items. So for me, it was always exciting to me when people would come to me with a custom idea and I was thankful that they came to me with their idea because it gave me the opportunity to create that item and then resell it to other people. And I have talked extensively about custom orders and how that helped to build my business. But um, that is something that I highly recommend for newer shops because you know, like at this point in my business with almost 20,000 sales on Etsy, I'm not taking custom orders anymore. It's too time consuming. I don't have the time. I have too many orders to do to go back and forth 15 times with a customer. It's really hard for me to keep all those details straight because I get a ton of emails and stuff. So, you know, bigger shops that have more volume of sales are not able to do that on that same level. So that is a huge benefit as a newer shop and as a newer business to be able to take that time and have this highly custom 
very, um, you know, back and forth personalized relationship with that buyer in creating the item that they want. And they are also more likely to be really thankful about it, leave a good review, all of those things too, because they've worked so closely with you to create this thing that they have in their head, but you're bringing it to life. So those were two things that I was able to do, the turnaround time, the highly customized thing. The next part of it was really good custom customer service. Um, I was really uh, kind of to a detriment of my personal life, but I was really quick to respond to emails, quick to respond to any issues, bending over backwards for people. I think of this, you know, obviously my business is not Amazon, but you think about Amazon when Amazon was getting started and they had amazing customer service. Like they bent over backwards to make people happy. Now that they've grown to this like world domination situation, their customer service kind of stinks. I think that this is true with a lot of businesses. When you are in that earlier stage, it is so important that you have good customer service. I would argue that it's always important, like you shouldn't drop that ball and that shouldn't be something that you shuffle off into you know, a less important category. But as a newer, smaller business, you have the opportunity to have a highly, um, just a really high touch experience with that customer so that they feel like it has been this really custom experience between the two of you to have this order and create it and that you're a person, not just a business. Again, this is something that's not necessarily scalable. So as a business gets a lot larger, it's harder to manage. And I see this even in my own shop. While I still pride myself on good customer service, I would say that my customer service is probably not as good as it used to be. <laughs> and, you know, I, I that's not on purpose. I'm not like um, devaluing the value of customer service. I do think that it's very important. It's just that it's very difficult to manage. I probably get at least 20 or 25 messages every day on Etsy with people asking various things. It's hard for me to get back to them right away. It's hard for me to take care of, you know, if somebody says, can you send me a proof or can you send me different color options or whatever? It's hard for me to take care of that right away. I have a lot of other stuff going on. So, you know, I try to respond within 24 hours because that's kind of the guideline that Etsy has set out that they want you to be doing. But I used to respond within like five minutes. So obviously that's going to be a lot better for people who are wanting a response like yesterday. I also see this um, in my coaching business. And I think that what it really boils down to, all of these things really boil down to is that there is going to be a maximum level of work that a lot of people are putting into their business. And I see this in the digital space with coaching, with podcasting, with Facebook groups, all of that kind of stuff with this coaching business that I have. There are so many people who get who start the same way I did with an Etsy shop and then they do an Etsy course or whatever. They're writing, you know, about their experience selling on Etsy. But in the process of doing that, they stop selling on Etsy because the digital nature of selling a course or selling a program, the profit margins are obviously going to be higher. So they stop selling on Etsy. It is extremely important to me not to do that because I think that it's vital that I continue to have the experience selling on Etsy 
and continue to have the experience as Etsy pivots and grows and changes and different aspects of it change to have that firsthand experience. It's also something that I see in other coaching groups. Um, I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast. I know I've talked about it in my student group that I joined a program um, last year that was like a coaching program for coaches to um, just work with other people who had these kinds of businesses. It was a really expensive program. And when I got into that program, what I found out was that the person who I was joining it for, the one whose business that I admire and have have watched grow and I really like her, she is not super, super involved in the coaching program. She has all of these coaches or student mentors or student coaches or whatever, client coaches, um, that she has that work within her business. And so when you are in the group and you're working with her and whatever, you're actually really interacting with these other people significantly more than you're interacting with her. And I see this a lot in the coaching space with people. They will say like, you can get, you know, personalized feedback from student coaches. Um, Or they will advertise it as like, look how I've grown my business to only have to work 10 hours a week and make $8 million dollars. To me, what that says is you're working 10 hours a week because your priority is not to um, interact with the people who are actually joining your program. Like that's not a benefit to me. That's actually a detriment. When you tell me how little you're working, what that's telling me about your coaching program is that your time is not being spent with the people that you're you know, supposed to be working with, with the people who have bought this program because they want to work with you. And that is extremely, extremely, I feel very passionately about this. It kind of feels like I like am ranting about it, but it's because I feel so passionately about the fact that people are trusting you with their money to take this step forward. And you have an obligation then to be invested in them the same way that they are investing in you. And if what I do is, you know, I'm the podcast, I'm in the Facebook group, the free Facebook group, I'm the one that's drumming up the sales. But then as soon as you give me your money, I hand you off to these other people that I've hired my, you know, my student coaches or whatever that I'm that I'm hiring within my group. That would feel very um, like a bait and switch to me. And maybe other people disagree. Maybe you don't mind it if you've ever been in groups like that. But to me, people are joining my coaching program because they want to work with me. I'm the one that's doing the podcast. I'm the one that's doing the Facebook Lives. I'm the one that you know. You don't want me handing you off to someone who you have no idea what their experience is. You have no idea what their expertise is. You have no idea if they have any idea what they're talking about. And actually, that was my experience in this coaching program was that the people that the coaches actually really didn't have any idea. Um, They did not have very good advice. And that's really disappointing. Um, So it is extremely important to me to build a business that has boundaries. And I have talked to you all about boundaries and I would never ever say that you should be working 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and that you are at the beck and call of every single person that's gonna give you any amount of money. So you do need to have boundaries in your business, but it is also extremely important to be invested in your business on a personal level, whether that is like I talked about with the product-based business when I first started my Etsy shop, or the coaching side of the business, or both of them now for me, 
I am hands-on invested in both sides of those businesses, even though I do have actually an employee now that comes and does a lot of the monogramming in my Etsy shop because that is something that I can outsource to somebody else. But I am still doing the packing and the shipping and the oversight and the checking orders and the laying out monograms and the responding to messages. I am still knee deep in that business. I have not handed it off to somebody else because that is my business and I'm not going to hand it off to somebody else. It is my business and I have a personal emotional investment in that business and to watch it grow. The coaching side, I think that that's even more important because it is actually a personal business. You know, people are coming because of me, um, whereas the product-based business, people are not necessarily buying a monogrammed baby quilt because of me personally. Ultimately, what all of these things boil down to and kind of the overarching message that I want to give here is that being willing to do what other people are not willing to do a lot of times looks like working really hard. And there is this huge thing on the internet with multi-level marketing, but I even see it a lot in these kind of programs that teach you how to have digital courses or digital stuff that you can have this passive income, this idea of passive income. I wish that I could delete that phrase from like vocabulary. This passive income where you don't have to work and you're just making all this money. Whether that is through like digital products on Etsy or, or um, courses or whatever, there is nothing passive about either part of the business that I am running, either part of either business, um, and that is by design for me, because to me, what passive says to you is you're not really invested in the business. You don't really want to put in the work and thus you're not going to be a really good business owner because you don't want to do the work that it takes to build a successful business. Now, there are some products that are more passive than others. Writing an ebook and selling that is more passive than making monogrammed baby quilts. Making digital downloads and selling them on Etsy is more passive than making a, a physical product that you have to ship. It is more passive, but it is not completely passive. There is no such thing as creating a business that you just put up online, it takes zero work from you and you just have money deposited every single day, every single week, you're rolling in the dough and you have no investment in there. It, that would mean that your customer service was falling to the wayside. You were not doing a good job addressing issues and helping people who have asked you for help and responding to emails and all of that. That part of it is not passive. I truly think that the reason that my Etsy shop has been successful and the reason that my coaching business has been successful is because that I am willing to put in that work. I was willing when I was making those physical applique products to stay up until one o'clock, two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning, making orders and shipping them out. I was willing to do it on the weekends so that my husband could watch the kids while I worked. I am willing now to continue to be involved in both my Etsy shop and the coaching. I am willing to do the personalized shop critiques and the listing critiques and responding to the Facebook messages. I'm not pawning that off on somebody else. And that has made a truly a huge difference to my business. 
And it's something that my students talk about in the group. Like I joined this program because of you. I joined this program because you still have your Etsy shop. I joined this program because you were there doing things, interacting, not just hiring other people to answer all those questions for you. Now, I understand that most of you guys are probably not doing the coaching and that kind of stuff, but those messages and those lessons are still applicable to that product-based business. What do you, what can you do that goes above and beyond what is standard in your industry? Is that faster shipping? Is it better packaging? Is it better gift wrapping? Is it a handwritten note that is in pretty calligraphy where they can include that note in when they're shipping it as a gift? Is it highly customizable? Is it your customer service? Is it your return policy? What is it about you? Where are you going one step above your competition and you are disrupting the market in that way where people say, you know, normally there's a three-week turnaround time for people who are doing this kind of product, but I'm gonna get it for you in three days. Or normally people are charging a rush order fee, but I'm gonna do it for you just to be nice. Or normally people charge an upcharge to customize this digital document, but I do it for free and you just buy the product and I customize it for you for free. I'm not suggesting that any of those are the answer. You have to know your own business and run your numbers and your time spend and all of that to make sure that your business is profitable and your business works for you. But to think about the ways that that can happen and think about the ways that you can say, well, everybody else does it this way, but I'm willing to go one or two or three steps beyond that and offer this really up-leveled experience that is beyond what most people in this industry are offering. That is where you can stand out. That is the way to success in industries that have competition and the way to really put yourself out there and put yourself as kind of this higher level, better experience, um, just, just an overall better interaction between you and the customer by taking that extra step and making it just that one level above what everybody else is doing. I hope that this has been helpful for you. I know that ultimately what that means for a lot of us, including myself, is that we're working really hard. And a lot of people are hoping that they can start an Etsy shop and it's just really not gonna be that hard work. And hopefully I have never given you that idea um, because that is not something that I ever would say to people, that it's not that hard of work or that you don't have to work hard to be successful. I absolutely think in any business that you are running, any business that you are starting, you do have to work hard. Know that there are ways to make that um, scalable and growable as you get going and as you continue to grow. There are things that I am doing now in my business, um, which this is like a different topic for a different day, but there are things that I'm doing now in my business like hiring an employee to help me that I never would have dreamed in the early days I could do, but has allowed it to be more sustainable as it has grown and has allowed it to grow bigger and bigger and bigger without me having to work more and more and more and more hours all of the time. But I do want to plant that seed in your head. There is no such thing as 
passive success, maybe like stock marketing invest, stock market investing, maybe that would be like passive money, I don't know. Um, but in terms of running your own business, you are probably not going to be able to run a completely passive business that doesn't take any work. So I want to kind of give you that little boost of encouragement or the boost of um, oomph that says if you want to be successful in online business, if you want to be successful in any business, it is going to take hard work. And a lot of the way that we're able to set ourselves apart in industries that already have competition and already have established competition is by going the extra mile and outworking the other people and doing things beyond and at a higher level than the people who have gotten comfortable with the sales that they have. All right, that is all for today. I will see you guys back here next week. I hope that you have enjoyed this episode. Bye for now.